All right, you ready to take notes? Got notes, notes up, ready to go? All right, well, welcome to week number one of our series we're calling Healing Choices. Everyone say Healing Choices. Rick, Rick Warren and John Baker wrote a book called Life's Healing Choices, and we've, we've taken some of the principles out of there. There's some other things in this series as well. And so um, it's just a series that I believe is going to be very significant and can be very significant in your life. Uh, it's going to be, we don't usually do a series this long, but it's going to be an eight-week series. And uh, we're just going to lean into some choices over these eight weeks that I really believe are going to help you go forward. And why is that? Why do we need miracles, God, to do something significant in our life? Because we all got hurts. We all got some habits. And we all got some hang-ups. In other words, all God's children got issues. And if you don't think you have issues, that's your issue. Because the rest of us can see it. Right? Come on. If you know, if they know you well, they can see it. And so, in fact, during COVID and all this season, a lot of the things that we deal with have maybe even gotten worse. It's just all those things have creeped up. We've had too much time to be by ourselves, to think, to have thoughts that are, that are not lined up with God's word. And it just, it really becomes a downward spiral. And what we do is we apply solutions that don't work. We think they're going to work, but they don't work. And so what we're going to give you in this series is time-tested, Bible-based uh, solutions that you can apply to your life. So I encourage you, even if you need to take the, one of the connection cards out of there, and take notes, take some notes during this, this series because it's really going to help you and it's going to be a blessing in your life. So let me ask you this. What's your reality? What's your, what are your daily struggles like? What, what is it like to be you? <laughs> Somebody said, you don't want to know. I think for a lot of us, it's like whack-a-mole. Remember that old whack-a-mole game? For, the, for, you know, young people, you don't know this, maybe, but there used to be an old game. You can see the, on the image there, uh, whack-a-mole, and you just have this little hammer-like thing, and that little mole pops up, and you try to hit it, and, you, and every time you hit one, another one pops up. But here's the, the, the demonic thing about that game. You hit one and two more pop up. You hit another one, three more pop up. And some of us, that's exactly what's going on in our lives. We feel like no matter what we fight, what we overcome, what we battle, there's like three or four more lining up in line to get our attention, right? It's just a, it's just a hard thing. And it, it can be true with a sin. It can be true with a temptation. And after a while, even the old one comes back up. And it's just, a, it's just a hard place to be. And so uh, this is true of chronic, persistent sins. It's true of temptations. And, and you know, um, we, we try so many things. We, we, we work really hard at eating right, but then we're grumpy. You know, I mean, you just want something else, right? It comes up, you try to, you, you, you try to uh, get off of, of sugar, and uh, you have headaches. And, you know, just one thing after another. So what do we do? We turn to distractions. We ignore sin, and, and we try everything but what works, right? Isn't that human nature? We're just going to go every which way but what works. So um, maybe that's your reality, or maybe your reality is like this. You know what's right, but every time you know what's right, you just do the opposite. It's like, I should go left. I'm, I'm going to go right. You just, you just do it that way. So um, you need to, you need to uh, get some sleep, but you stay up late. Come on, you need exercise, but you ate ice cream instead. 
Can't control your life, but you're sure trying anyway. Come on, right? Aren't we all doing that? We've all done it. And, and I just want to say you're, you're in the right church because we've all done it. We're all battling those kinds of things. And I love the Apostle Paul because he was so transparent um, and he documented his struggle in Romans chapter 7. And we'll pick up two verses, 15 and 18. He says there, I don't really understand myself. Can I get an amen for that? Come on. For I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. And I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. So what Paul's describing here is his life before salvation. No. He's describing his life after he gave his life to Jesus. All right? He's talking about that classic struggle between our natural fleshly desires and what the Spirit of God wants us to do. It's, it's that flesh versus spirit struggle. And so um, if we're going to face our own realities, I think we could be honest enough to say we all face that. But let's, let's look a little closer at our own lives this morning. What is it that keeps popping up in your life? What is it that keeps popping up? You don't have to call them out. But, but you might want to write a few down in your notes. I'll give you some to just kind of get you thinking. How about stress? Just don't handle stress well. Fear. How about you're always attracted to, to people or things that are, that are harmful for you. Maybe it's an addiction that keeps popping up. Regrets, poor eating habits, anger. You're saying, Pastor, stop. No, I got a few more. How about this? The need to control. <laughs> Hit a nerve. Who are my control freaks? Come on, right? You know, you just got to start by knowing, right? Financial issues, poor relationship choices, painful memories. Some of you struggle with perfectionism. How about resentment? Even compulsive behaviors. I'm not compulsive at all, unless you put dark chocolate-covered almonds on the counter. <laughs> then we got a problem, right? So even if you have all those struggles, I want you to know something. You're at the right church today. Because we're going in this series, we're going to help you move you past all, all many of these things. You're just going to have an opportunity to get, get healthy in so many different ways. But why do we have these struggles? What's the root of the problem? Why, why is it that we seem to all struggle with this? I'm going to give you the answer right here. We play God. We play God. We're trying to play God. We have a natural fleshly desire to be our own God. We want to be, to use an old TV sitcom phrase, large and in charge. Right? We, we want to serve ourselves. We want to be the God of our own life. And, and so when we allow ourselves to make our own choices, instead of doing what God tells us to do, we actually multiply our problems. It just gets worse and worse. So the temptation to play God is actually the oldest temptation in history. It's been around all since the very beginning. God created Adam, Adam and Eve, put them in the Garden of Eden. They were there together. And then he also gave them instructions, don't eat the fruit from this certain tree. Okay? Satan came in, and in Genesis 3-5, if you want to look it up later, he says, if you eat this fruit, it'll basically, it'll make you like God. Doesn't that sound like a good thing? I want you to think about something. 
Satan never tempts us to be like him. Satan always tempts us to be like God. He says, be a God. But you've got to understand, that's a deception. It's not going to produce anything good in your life. What God wants is God wants us not, not to be like him in the sense that the devil was talking about, but there's some things that he, he just wanted us innocently loving him. That's what the desire was in the Garden of Eden. But Satan convinced them to eat that fruit, to be like God, just a little side note, it wasn't an apple. It was windows. <laughs> Some of you get that later. <laughs> that was bad, wasn't it? No, it wasn't an apple. It was a fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so there, there's this whole philosophy built on this idea that, that I'm going to be God. I am a God. I, I'm in charge of my own life. Um, you know, we... We now, we now call it, you know, find your truth. No, find the truth. It'll help you out. And, and it's, it's really, it's nothing new. Ezekiel 28.2 says this, Son of man, give the prince of Tyre this message from the sovereign Lord. In your great pride, you claim, I am a God. I sit on a divine throne of the heart of the sea, but you are only a man and not a God, though you boast that you are a God. So how, how do we know we're, when we're playing God? Let me give you a couple thoughts here. We play God when God's word clearly says to do one thing and we just do the opposite. We're playing God. We play God when we say, I know what God wants me to do, I, but I believe that what I want to do is going to make me happy, so I'm just going to do what I want to do. See, I think many times the Holy Spirit, and even in this moment, some of you may say, oh, you know what? I'm playing God right here. I'm playing God right here. There's things that we play God. We play God with time. We play God with our food, with, with in, in areas of, of ethnicity, in relationships, sex, thoughts, porn. We play God. We say, I know what's best instead of following his way. And so what happens? We get really unhappy. We're miserable. And, and, when, and, and we get mad at God when it doesn't go the way we want it to go. We blame God, in fact. So when, when we're not married when we want, we, we, we get mad at God. When we don't get the job we want when we want it, we get mad at God. When we don't have the kids when we want them, we get mad at God. What, when we, whatever it is, fill in the blank, what's your deal? What's your thing that just gets you upset at God? And really the problem is we're trying to play God. So, and what's the root of trying to play God? Pride. Pride. Here's what Proverbs 29, 23 says. Pride will ruin people. Pride's going to ruin us. It has ruined many of our lives already. So, so what's the common denominator in our, in our bad relationships, our bad choices, and our bad decisions? We. We're the common denominator, right? I mean, you know, you, we, we cause most of our own problems. Right? Ain't the devil. You know, certainly not God, but we're just, we're just causing our own problems. So you may be thinking, Pastor, <laughs> I need some good news here. Uh, just give me, is there hope? Yes, we're going to get to hope here. There is a solution, and we're going to look at that solution over the next eight weeks. Out of the, out of the book of Matthew, there's a, a teaching that Jesus did. It's his most famous sermon, and it's called the Beatitudes. 
And we're going to look at the Beatitudes. It's called, as some of us, it's sometimes called the Sermon on the Mount. And in the first eight statements, Jesus tells us how to be blessed. You know, we've all seen hashtag blessed. How you doing? I'm blessed. Well, that's wonderful, but are you really blessed? You know, well, let's, let's, let's learn over these next um, eight weeks because it says there that God's going to bless those who do what he says in these, these eight things. So how many want some of God's blessings in your life? Amen. I want more. So what does blessing mean? The Amplified Translation translates blessed this way. Happy. To be envied. Good, right? I like this one. Spiritually prosperous. With life, joy, and satisfaction in God's favor and salvation. Oh, listen closely. Regardless of our outward condition. Most of us, if we're honest, our outward conditions dictate our inward condition. But to be blessed by God, the inward condition is is driving the outward condition, right? So basically, if you sum it all up, we're going to use a word during this series. Um, We're just going to say, basically, blessed means to be happy. At some level, to be internal joy, peace, so so that others even envy you. They're like, man, I want what you've got. I want that peace, that joy that you have. In other words, God will make you happy if. That's the Beatitudes, right? Now, what we think is we're going to be happy when we're in charge, right? But God says, no, I'll make you happy if you do these, these eight things. And the first one is a healing choice, really, that will begin the process of helping us get rid of our hurts, our habits, and our hang-ups, They wreak havoc in our life, and God's just saying, come on, let's take this journey together. Here's what Matthew 5, 3 says. God blesses those who are poor in spirit and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. The the New King James says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So today's message is really the reality choice. We have a choice before us. Jesus is saying here, no one gets to heaven full of pride. We've got to be poor in spirit. It says the poor in spirit are the ones that are blessed. So we better find out what it means to be poor in spirit, right? And so let's look at that a little bit. He's not talking about financial poverty. I don't think financial, you can learn some lessons when you're you're broke, but but I don't think it, you know, God wants you to stay in that situation. He wants, he wants better for you. He's talking about spiritual poverty. Realizing that I'm a sinner. Realizing that I'm helpless apart from God. Realizing I am powerless to truly be the God of my own life. That's poor in spirit. So, another translation says this in Matthew 5, 3. Blessed are those who recognize that they are spiritually helpless. Spiritually helpless. So to begin from, to heal from the hurts, habits, and hangouts, we've got to admit we need help. We can't do it all on our own. That apart from God, we're powerless to control our tendencies to do wrong. That's what Paul was talking about, right? So we, we've got to face reality and, re- and realize that, that life is unmanageable, that we can no longer control our anger. We cannot control and manage our lives by ourselves. We need God to help us, right? 
How many of you need God to help you? All right, that's that's a first step. So how do how do we develop this spirit uh, of uh, of Poor, become poor in spirit or have an attitude of being poor in spirit. Let me give you several thoughts. Here's the first one. I must humbly admit I need help. I need help. There's a show on TV called Intervention. It's in its 21st season. Apparently it's popular. And basically what happens in this season is an addict is confronted by their family and their family basically tells them, if you continue down this path, this is going to be the result. Your kids will not have a relationship with you. Your marriage is going to be over. Whatever it is, they just, they just explain that to them. And so, um, and we know what the number one initial response of most addicts is? I don't have a problem. I don't have a problem. It's not that bad. I, 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 it's okay. I, I, here's another one. I've got it other, under control. You know, addiction is a, is a very serious thing, but I, I'm reminded of a humorous story that I want to share with you about, uh, you may or may not call it an addiction, but when Kim and I first were married, uh, we were over at, at, at Kay and Richard's, her parents, and um, we were there around Thanksgiving, and Kay was going to go to the grocery store to pick up some, some groceries. And so, um, I, you know, as, as a great newly minted son-in-law, I was going to go along, and I offered to be some help. And so I'd been kidding her about the fact that every time I saw her, she had a Coke in her hand. She was always drinking a Coca-Cola, not Coke, Coca-Cola. Let's make it clear. Matter of fact, she probably does right now. And so, and by the way, if you ever hear a at at the, uh, you know, during the altar call, that's, that's just Kay opening up her coat. You laugh. It's happened. In the middle of the altar call. So anyways, I love my mother-in-law, but she, she anyway, so, so we, she may not love me, but I love her. Okay. So, um, so we were at the grocery store and, and she's, you know, filled the cart up with things and, and I'd been kidding her about her, you know, her, her Coke addiction. And, uh, we're, we're going through the checkout and we're, we're standing there checking out and the cashier looks at her and says, what, Kay? No Cokes today, Miss Webb? And I was like, aha. And then we get home, we're laughing about it, and come to find out she'd intentionally not picked up Cokes that day because I was along with her, and she didn't want to have that coming out. But the cashier saved the day for me. It was wonderful. Yeah. So if we're going to actually get help, though, whether it's Coca-Cola or anything else, we've got to stop living in denial. We've got to get out of denial, amen? And that's why we call this the reality of choice. We really got to face it. Jesus said this in John 8, 32, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So to be blessed, to be happy, we've got to face the truth about our own lives. When we avoid it, when we fake it, when we rather be phony than honest, it doesn't do us any good. So before the truth can set us free, we've got to admit the miserable truth about how we live and where we're at. So we've got to admit, hey, I'm in desperate need of help. We cannot do it alone. Here's the good news. God can heal our hurts. He can work us through those habits. He can take care of our hangups, but we've got to humble ourselves. Here's what James 4, 6 says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So what's grace? There's a lot of definitions of grace, but one of the things it is, it's the power to change. It's the power to, to be different. And so 
during these next eight weeks, your life has the potential to be radically changed, radically different, if we accept God's power, His grace for change in that area of our life. See, we need something stronger than our willpower. Willpower is like the battery on your phone. You charge it up, you leave the house in the morning. Um, some of you leave the house without it charged up. I don't quite understand that. But you leave the house in the morning with your battery fully charged and you go about your day and you get home in the evening and it's run down and you finish your day. Well, the willpower is the same way. We leave in the morning, we eat a great healthy breakfast, we do all right at lunch, but then we have a really tough conversation about 4.30 before the day ends and by the time we get through traffic and we get home, we are wore out. And then the dark chocolate-covered almonds look so good. Or whatever your thing is. Because our willpower battery has gone low. So how do we get God's power? We get God's power by humbling ourselves. Let me give you four, four ways we've got to humble ourselves in order to allow God's grace really to begin the process of setting us totally free. Here's the first one real quickly. We've got to admit I'm broken. I'm broken. We live in a world where everything is broken, including you and me. We're all broken. It's the result of sin. Romans 8.20 says this, creation is confused. There's a lot of confusion in our world today. There's confusion around gender, around who we are as people, about financial, family, every area. There's, there's all this confusion, and even about relationship status. I was online, and this week I looked at somebody. It's complicated. You know, we got, we got a status for that. It's just, it, everything is just confused. And we're broken because of our sin nature and the sins in our nurture. All of us were raised in families of some sort that were broken, just like we're broken, right? So it takes humility to admit that we're, that we're broken. Here's the second thing. We've got to admit that our secrets make us sick that our secrets make us sick. sick. Listen to what David said in Romans, uh, I'm sorry, in Psalms 32.3. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away. And I groaned all day long. Day and night your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord and you forgave me. All my guilt it's, is gone. See, sometimes it's not what we're eating. It's what's eating us. It's what's going on on the inside. We're so full of stress. We're, we're so full of frustration. We've got a, all this worry bottled up on the inside of us that it's making us even physically sick. What happens when we hide sin, listen to this, is it, increased, it, it increases its dominance in our lives. It gets stronger. It gets more powerful. Hidden fears get worse. Hidden porn addictions get worse. Whatever it is, hiding intensifies the pain and gives more power to the secret. So why do we pretend, huh? It's not worth it. It's just not worth it. Here's the third thing. If we're going to receive God's power, we've got to admit it to defeat it. We've got to admit it. We can't work on the hurts, habits, or hang-ups until we admit, us, admit it. And, it, and it costs us. It, not admitting it, it costs us. Faking it is draining. One of the best days as a pastor was I realized I'm just me. People don't like me on my iPad. 
I wish they did, but I'm just going to do what I need to do, right? You know, I'm, I'm going to try to be the man God wants me to be, but, but I, I can't fake it. And so God gave me this verse a number of years ago in Proverbs 28, 13. It really changed my life. It says this, people who conceal their sins will not prosper. But if they confess and turn from them, I love this, they will receive mercy. Everyone say mercy. See, we, we constrict and restrict God's blessing on our lives when we're hiding and concealing our sins. Why, why do we do that, though? We fear condemnation and shame. We just think somebody's going to look down on us. But here's the reality. When, look, it says when we confess and turn from it, he says, we're, I receive mercy. We're going to receive mercy. It's a wonderful thing. So let's, let's just admit that we're not what we seem sometimes. That God's at work on the inside of us. Here's the fourth thing to admit. We need to admit that it's our fear and our pride that keeps us stuck. Those two things are just enemies of ours. Genesis 3.10, this was after Adam and Eve ate the fruit and, 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 and sinned. They, they said, uh, David said, uh, uh, Adam said there, I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. It's afraid, shame. It's the first fear. First fear is the fear of being exposed. It's just a hard thing. We feel vulnerable. We feel naked. And so what do we do? We hide, we cover up. Uh, Matthew 25, 25 says, I was afraid, so I hid it. It's that fear, that shame, we hide. What's that? What's the underlying cause? Pride. Pride's just at work. I don't want to know anyone to know my weaknesses, right? Then you get married. So all bets are off. Somebody now knows, right? So we, we just as well face them. You don't have to wait to get married to face, face these things. You can just admit it now. So the issue is, though, a lot of times Christians, Christ followers, think that, that they're fine just because they come to church and pray to prayer to give their lives to Jesus. I want you to, I want you to dig a little deeper today and just maybe admit you're not as fine as you think you are, that we live life on a razor's edge. I like to call it we live lives of quiet desperation. Drive through our neighborhoods out here. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. It's a great community. But I promise you, if you got up and listened at the door of many of those homes, you would hear more chaos and more crisis and more trouble going on than you could even ever want to hear. It's just the way life is sometimes. So here's the truth. We're all equally broken. I am just as broken as you, as you and you are just as broken as me, and we're just as broken as, as each other. Amen? We're all born sinners. We're all born without God's power. We're totally and completely depraved. Sounds, you say, Pastor, that's strong. Well, I just want you to know that when you live in a place where you know you need God, it's one of the best places you can live. Here's where Gen uh, Jeremiah 2.13 says, For my people have done two evil things, God said. They have abandoned me, the fountain of living water, and they have dug for themselves cracked cisterns Cisterns that can hold no water at all. What are, what's that saying? Basically, because of our pride, we're trying to fix ourselves. Instead of tapping into what God can do, we're trying to build cisterns, but they're leaking and they're not working for us. And so we, what we often forget is that we cannot solve spiritual brokenness with a physical substance. They're different. We think... We have all the answers, but we're really abandoning God when we say that. We just got to turn to Him. So we've got to become poor in spirit and admit that we need help. Here's the second thing. I must humbly ask 
God for help. It's not enough to admit you need help. It's where you turn then that's really important. Okay? So, God, I need help. That should be a prayer that we say. God, I need your help. And so Paul knew what that was like. He asked for help in 2 Corinthians 1.9. He says, we felt we were doomed to die and saw how powerless we were to help ourselves. That's, that's where we need to start from. But that was good. For then we put everything into the hands of God, who alone can save us. For he can even raise the dead. We sang about that this morning. He can raise the dead. So we've got to just simply admit we're powerless without God, that we can't save ourselves and that only God can save us. Let me ask you a question. If God can raise the dead, do you think he can resurrect a marriage? If God can raise the dead, do you think he can turn around your health? If God can raise the dead, can he break off habits, heal your hurts, and set, get you free of your hang-ups? He can do that. But we've got, to, we've got to turn to him so he can turn what was bad into something good. So we've got to ask God for help. Now, Matthew 5, 3 says in the message translation, or message paraphrase, you're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there's more of God and his rule. Isn't that wonderful? Less of us, more of him. That's what we want. So here's the third step, the third step today to, to really be poor in spirit, and it's this. I need to humbly ask others for help or humbly seek help from others, if you want to say it that way. See, God wired us so we don't get healthy by ourselves. Isn't that something? We don't get healthy by ourselves. You'll never get victory over that area you struggle with by yourself. That's not the way you're wired. It's, and it's, it's not because we're not strong enough. It's because of how God designed us. God designed us so that we only get healthy in relationships. We cannot only be honest with God. We've got to be honest with someone else. And that's often a hard thing for us to do. So, Pastor, I don't want to do that. I get it. Well, let me just ask you, why don't we want to do it? It's back to the same thing, pride. What will they think of me if they find out? What will they think about me? What happens is when we share with somebody else, it humbles us. It makes us realize that, we're, that we're, we need God's grace. But the reality is it's pride that keeps us stuck. So let's, let's get past that. And so... We need to gather with others and we need to admit that we need God's help and then ask for help from others as well. Here's what James 5.16 says. Admit your faults to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. That's a good thing to do. That's a powerful thing to do. See, God's healing, basically saying, my healing power is going to come into your life as you admit your faults and have others pray for you. Here's what 1 John 1, 7 says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. What's walking in the light? Having some people in your life where you're honest and transparent with. Most of the time they can see it anyway. They just don't know why. Right? So what it is, is just saying with somebody that you know cares for you, here's my battle. 
Here's where I struggle. Here's, here's where I need help. Would you pray for me? And that's one of the reasons that, let me say it this way. Some of us, years ago I heard this, this expression. Show me your five closest friends and I, I'm going to show you who you're going to be in the next five years. Right now in our world, many people, their five closest friends are their digital friends online. It's whoever's writing that game that you're playing all the time. Come on. Who's writing the videos? They're your five closest friends because you're giving them the most time. I want to just encourage you. What we need to do sometimes is we need to break out of the friendship circle that's, that's causing destruction in our life. We gotta, it's, it's time for some new friends. It's time to add some new friends to the mix in your life. Friends that are for you and they want to see you get healthy and they want to see you get whole and they want to see God do a work in your life. Not just because they've been there when they helped you change a tire when you're flat. That's a good kind of friend to have. But, but you need some friends that are going to be there for you spiritually. They're going to challenge you. They're going to lift you. They're going to encourage you. Not because they're perfect, but because they know what it's like to go through a struggle too. Which is exactly why we have small groups. Because sometimes, intentionally, we need to say, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to break, I've got my life, I've got friends, there's people I do things through and with and hang out, and they say certain things in my life, but who are those people that are helping you go to the next level in God? Where are you going to find those? And I would say you can find those in some small groups. See, God wired us to need one another. We're, we're created, like I said, to get healthy in relationships with others. If, let me say it this way. If you can get healthy alone, you're not really healthy. If I didn't have some people around me, I'd probably eat a lot more ice cream. I know for sure I'd eat a lot more dark chocolate-covered omelets. But Kim and I have an agreement. She's not bringing them in the house. I'm good. I don't go to the store and buy them. You know, it just helps me, right? We need some people in our lives. So uh, you you need a small group. So you can go to our small group page, hpfc.org, and then go to the groups page, and there's a list of our groups. And you can just click the title, the name of the group, and register. And some of you may say, well, I don't, I don't know if I, I like that topic. Here, here's what most of us, are, we're, we're Americans. We think information. You can get information anywhere. But where can, get, where can you get people that care for you and love you? So, so when you look for a group, it's not about the topic. It's not about the curriculum. I'm going to give you a little secret. That's just an excuse to get together. The real reason is so we can make new friends. The real reason is we can adjust our friendship balance in life and begin to move forward. So you say, well, you know, I looked at those groups and and none of them really fit my schedule. Well, then I've got another option for you. You thought you were off the hook. Why don't you get on one of our dream teams? You say, well, how do I do that? Growth Track. In Growth Track, we help you discover your purpose. See, God uniquely wired you and, and, and created you with a design that's tied specifically to the purpose for which He created you. And when you know your design, you know what to do with it. And so I want to I want to encourage you this afternoon at three o'clock. So we'll get done with service. You'll be out of here long before 12. Y'all looking at your walk. You'll be out of here in a few minutes. But you, you, can, you can come at 3 o'clock online. You, don't need, you can wear your pajamas if you want. All right, take your nap, 
you know, in your pajamas, whatever you're, you know, and then, then watch. We've got a video online you can watch. Then put some clothes on because it, right afterwards you get on a Zoom call. I'll be on that call with you, and we'll get to know each other a little bit and talk, and we'll have a good time. whole thing will take about an hour, and you can begin to take the first step. You'll learn today about how to connect more with God and how to connect with His place, what we're about, why, why we do things the way we do it. And so if you're interested and say, you know, I'd like to discover my purpose, then on your connection card, or if you're watching online, they're going to put something up there for you to click on. On your connection card here, just write GT on the top of that connection card. Make sure it includes your name and your email. And then this afternoon before 3 o'clock, look for an email, and it'll have all the instructions in there for what to do at 3 o'clock. Amen? You need some new friends. And you got to say, I'm going to let some people into my life. Now, let me just help you with something else. These groups and these teams are not, wow, here's, an, here's somebody I haven't met before. I wonder what their deal is. It's not the way, if, if your group goes that way, you, you come tell me. We'll have a conversation with the facilitator. The idea is you're in a group, you're getting to learn whatever topic you're learning, talking, and you might find one person, you say, you know what, we connect and we really make each other better. That's a relationship then you develop. You, have the relationship with all the people in your group now, but over time, you'll develop a better relationship. It's not spooky. It's not creepy. You, nobody says you have to share all your deep, dark secrets at all. It's just a place you can make some new friends. Amen? I preached a little bit there. Y'all okay? Amen? Now, here's, here's the challenge. So many of us think, well, I want to be forgiven. Well, then you t- need to tell God. But if you want to be healed... You need to tell somebody. You need to say, hey, this is what I'm struggling with. This is, this is what's, what's going on in, in my life. And so tell someone godly. Tell someone trustworthy. Don't tell everyone and don't tell a big mouth. Come on, just let me just tell you. You, you got to tell to somebody who's going to love you unconditionally. You don't have to tell everybody, but you got to tell somebody. Amen? And then the healing will begin. So... Um, To take that step, we've got to overcome three fears. Here's the first one, the fear of our own emotions. Can I keep it together when I'm sharing what what I'm going through? Right? We think about that. Here's another one, the fear of the reactions of others. What are they going to think? Here's the third one, fear that being honest is useless. Some of you right now, as I'm talking about it, you're thinking, well, I was honest once and it didn't work out very well for me. Got to get past, you know, is it really that valuable? Now, I want to just tell you from personal experience, it's very valuable. Very valuable. When you find those people you can connect with and be honest with, it changes everything. Now, for the rest of you that are in that group and you've been honest before and you're continuing being honest and taking that journey, maybe someone in the group musters up their courage to share with you personally or even with the group something that, that they're going through. I want to give you a few pointers. You ready for some pointers? Here's the first room. Well, here's the first one. What's said in the group stays in the group. Don't be sharing it on Facebook. Don't, don't be sharing a prayer request as a guise for gossip. No, 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 no. We're not doing all that, all right? No, and don't try to fix them. Here's how it goes. Look at them in love. Smile, nod, and shut up. Thank you for sharing that, right? That's what you say when they're done. Say, thanks for sharing that. I'll be praying for you. 
Some of us, I'm, I'm talking about me. And I know some of it comes with being a pastor, and sometimes it's time for it, but sometimes I want to I fix. You know my number one lesson for marriage is? Stop, when my wife shares, when Kim shares something with me, stop trying to fix it. Just listen. Smile, nod, love, and shut up. That's, that's my marriage advice. That's free this morning, right? But it'll work in a group as well. We can do that, can't we? So here's the next step for today. Find a small group or find a team or do both. Maybe, maybe it, it's that way. Now, this first choice, here's the thing we've got to do. We've got to get our focus on Jesus. Here's what, here's what Romans 5, 6 says. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. The good news is today you don't have to fix it on your own. You can fix it with the help of Jesus. You can fix it with the help of others. Let's bow our heads this morning. I want to pray for you. I realize for some of you this is a big new journey in your life. And uh, maybe some of you even, you were, just, you, were, you were brave to come out to church today. You hadn't been in church in a while. And then you hear a message of, we're going to be honest. And we're going to share with somebody else. I want to just pray for you. Because I know God's going to lead you and help you. Father, in Jesus' name. Thank you for each person listening today here in person, each one online. Lord, I thank you that you love us. You're caring for us. You're working in us. And Father, today I thank you that you just help us find those few people in our lives that we can just say, hey, I'm battling. We may not even share everything that's going on. We'll just say, I'm battling in this area. And Lord, I thank you that the people that they share that with will begin to pray with them and pray for them. And Maybe not even in the moment, but all week long. And there'll be a text that'll come in. Just say, I'm praying for you. And there'll be encouragement that will come. And Father, maybe at that moment when we're tempted to do the wrong thing, we'll get that little word of encouragement. Just the confidence knowing people are praying for us begin to change those decisions because we're willing to admit we need help. So Father, we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. With every head bowed, every eye closed, the very first step we need to take is to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. For every sin. Some of you, you're, you're condemned this morning. You feel like, like nothing's gone right in your life. You're hurting. You're in a tough place. Jesus paid the price for your past sins, for the ones you're stuck in right now. And he's paid the price for everything that you feel like you can't get free of and that you may even do in the future. His blood shed on the cross was enough for all of that. So this morning, if you need to give you're at the place where you say, I need a relationship with Jesus. very first thing is just to begin that relationship. All the other hurts, hangups, and habits, all that will get taken care of after Jesus is the Lord of your life. So I invite you, let's pray this prayer together. Say this with me today as you surrender your life to the Lord. You'll pray it with those of us who've already made the decision. Let's all say it together. You online, say it as well. Heavenly Father, I come to you today. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I ask you to make me a new person from the inside out. God, I turn away from that old life and I turn to you. God, I believe you raised Jesus from the dead. And Jesus, I ask you 
Be my Lord. Lead my life. I surrender to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, can we celebrate with those who made that decision today? It's the greatest decision in the world. The very best decision you could ever make. And so, I just well, those of you that prayed that prayer, maybe you knew God, walked with God years ago, but you've just been away from God. I want to just say welcome back. I want to say welcome home. We've got a great journey for you here at His place. And uh, really, I want to just challenge you. Go all in with Jesus over this next year. Just go all in. I, I mean, I gave you the heart of what we do here as a church. We, we get in groups. We serve on teams. We worship. We're here Sundays. And, and, and it's just very simple. And it's a, it's a lifestyle you can live and incorporate into your busy lives, all the other things going on as well. And you're going to see, here's what you're going to see a year from now. You say, man, God's done a work in my life.